Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. Hello and welcome to episode three of season three of You Love to See It. I'm joined today by my two esteemed friends, Eric Zhu and Caleb Brunman. How you guys doing today? Uh, I'm doing exactly as well as Eric is doing today. That's funny because I'm doing about as well as you're doing today, Zach. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so we got a little dependency <laughs> going on here. Uh, Caleb's wellness is dependent on Eric. Zach, are you going to tell mine. the people how you this feel? Is called, this is called the transit yeah, I'm doing product. Pretty, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's transitive product. I'm doing pretty good today. Um, maybe less so after watching a film. Um, but, wow. you know, no, I'm kidding. Films never make me uh, sad. Well, that's not true. They make I'm me sad. Dead. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> well, all right. Zach, why, don't you do, why didn't you watch Solo with us? I and don't think I will really ever sad. watch Salo with you guys. Uh, I'll be honest, glad I skipped that one. Um, very Talk glad I did so. I, I, I ask Tom about it. Ask Tom about it, yeah. Shout out to Tom. Um, I hope you're listening, uh, Tom. Anyways, uh, on, on this special episode, uh, on this very just normal, non-special day, uh, we are going to be reviewing uh, both a new film and an old film. Uh, first... <laughs> We will be starting with The Wanting Mayor, a newly released film. Did it just come what? out? It just came out this The Wanting the Mayor. Wanting uh, Mayor. It, when did it come out, Eric? I don't know. Was it this month? Um, this movie just released on VOD this month, but it premiered okay. in the festival circuit. Or I think it was Chattanooga or something. Last yeah, time. I saw like a review of it almost like almost a year ago. I remember seeing some type of like review on it. And I was like, oh my gosh. What happens? That was a while ago. And then the second film is actually going to be the beginning of a, a new series uh, featuring movies by the Coen brothers. Uh, with today, we will be talking about their debut film, Blood Simple. So, Eric and Caleb, I have one question for you to get this rope, this roke, this boat a rockin'. Are you ready? What is your favorite debut film by a director? I will start with mine so that you may have a few moments. Fun fact, if you look up best directorial debuts, there is a ranker page. Um, I haven't seen some of these. Uh, just so you know, number one on the list. Uh, sorry if I'm stealing Eric's. I'm not going to say it because I actually Kane? haven't seen the movie. Citizen Kane. A Citizen Kane is the number one uh, okay. uh, directorial <laughs> debut film, according to this Ranker uh, article. Um, I, I, I'll tell you the top five afterwards because I think one of them might be uh, one of yours, uh, but I won't say anything. Uh, mine is actually going to be, I think it's like number 30 or something on this list. Um, and it caught my eye because I realized I do really like this movie. Um, and I want to rewatch it, in fact. Uh, and that is Alex Garland's Ex Machina. Um, I think I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. 
I'm a big fan of sci-fi, especially AI, robots, stuff like that. And after watching a movie today uh, that I don't think is really a sci-fi, despite it being in the genre, uh, technically, I guess, uh, Ex Machina is a, a amazing sci-fi film uh, with a crazy ending that I definitely did not see coming. And overall, I would say a very solid movie um, and definitely up there for me. Uh, Eric or Caleb? I am going to go with, um, well, there are a lot of directorial debuts I like. We talked about Citizen Kane. I'm a big fan of Terrence Malick's Badlands, another classic. That is on the ranker list. Um, pretty, pretty low, like number 30-something. Pretty low. Yeah. You hate to see it. Um, I'm also a big fan of Todd Haynes' Poison. That one's screaming out of me right now. But the one I'm ultimately going to choose is Steven Soderbergh's Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Yep, that's on I here. Know that was his yeah. An absolutely incredible debut feature with four incredible central performances that's I don't know. You just have to see it. You just have to see it to believe it. I don't want to spoil anything about it. It's heartfelt. Um, and it's very sad. Eric, I will tell you that on this ranker list, which is just the top 50, it is number 26. So about halfway. Uh, just Give for reference, uh, Blood Simple is number 23. So, uh, all right, Caleb, what about yours? Uh, uh, mine's easy. <laughs> One of my favorite directors, David Lynch, his eraser head. Oh, shit. I'm just kidding. I'm just oh. kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad. oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm so it's sad. I will say, I will say, I'm so sad. That, that is number is eight. Is Eraserhead top 10? Number eight. Yeah, okay, eight. I thought so. <laughs> um, throw in uh, some honorable mentions here that we haven't discussed, like um, Get Out, recent. Is, I won't tell you. Solid. Yeah. Um, John Lasseter, Toy Story. Yeah. Animated movies also have uh, directorial debuts. <laughs> they uh, are films. Um, Lady Bird, right. Night of the Hunter. Let's, so what is yours, Caleb? See. Mine, well, catch this. Spike Jones directorial mm. debut in Being John Malkovich. Written by Charlie Kaufman, <laughs> whose directorial debut was Synecdoche, New York. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the correct answer to this question. Okay. All right. Well, being John Malkovich was number 18, just so you know. I'll, I'll, I'll read you guys the top 10 very quickly. Uh, number 10 was Boys and the Hood by John Singleton. Number 9 was Nightcrawler by Dan Gilroy. Number 8, Eraserhead. Number 7, The Maltese Falcon. By John uh, Huston. Houston. Ameri uh, Houston, thank you. American Beauty, number six. Ooh. Toy Story, number five. Get Out, number four. Number three, Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino. Number two, The Shawshank Redemption. And then number one, Citizens Kane. So, or Citizen Kane. Ooh, my last Citizens. shout out, Barbara Loden's Wanda. I watched that recently. It's like a play on the Bonnie and Clyde Badland story, but from a female perspective, um, it's wonderful. It's amazing. Very you poetic. Can, you can tell that this list is just by like, you could just, you know, it's people raking in, not like any like film critics because number um, 
Number 27 is Deadpool by Tim Miller. So shout out to Tim Miller. Um, congrats on making it to number 27 on this list. Uh, right underneath uh, Caleb is uh, Monsters, Inc. So shout out to that as well. All right. Shall we move on? This is not uh, this isn't a directorial debut, is it? It oh, is a directorial it debut. Is. It is. So both films today. Do you think this film made the top 50 on Ranker for <laughs> directorial debuts? <laughs> Oh, I don't think so. Uh, at least we know Blood Simple did. Eric, would you like to introduce us? I know you'd love to, to our first film today, uh, The Wanting Mayor. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Wanting Mayor is um, the directorial debut of Nicholas Ash Bateman. And this is a movie in the vein of, um, oh, I don't even know what to say. Like, like I will <laughs> say this movie originally was produced by... Uh, Shane Carruth. So it is sort of in the vein of something like Upstream Color. Um, it's, except this is a movie that is um, sort of about a group of women who all share a recurring dream that passes along from generation to generation. They live in this world called Withrin. Um, it's this like magical wasteland with horses that every every single year, once a year, has um, a boat that will take them from Withrin to an island, I think it's called Levithan. Yep. And there is this constant um, struggle to try to escape from Withrin and enter into the unknown to, yeah, escape this, escape this pretty much a hellscape of an island. Um, this movie to make it to an island that is winter yeah, 365 yeah. <laughs> days of the year uh, as they say but, winter is coming uh this movie features jordan uh, stars jordan monaghan josh clark yasemin keshkar and caitlin shiel um all in various time-spanning roles um and it's Weirdly oblique, it uses lots of pretty flashy visual effects. Um, it has a really droning score, and it's a movie that tries to build this huge world and um, contains a ton, a ton of narrative material within a structure that's fundamentally more elliptical. Um, it's very ambitious, and uh, yeah, did did the wanting mayor's mix of sci-fi and um, ellipses work for all of you? Well, I mean, let's, you know, let's, let's open this door. <laughs> you know, I think this film has some, I mean, I, I, I want to, I want to say a few things and that is one, um, I do find it very remarkable what the film was able to create visually with such a low budget, um attached to it um this is not backed by any large studio it's not you know a, a typical i think large commercial sci-fi you know this, this, ain't, this ain't got interstellar money behind it yet i did find myself very captivated by a lot of the imagery which in in my opinion and probably many others easily the best part of the film because a lot else is lacking um 
Would you I, disagree with I, that? I'm sorry. Mean, I thought this is one of the ugliest movies I've seen in my life. No, really. I thought, I mean, because I, I thought I it was thought so ugly. There was, there was a few moments, I, I, you know, where you could tell some of the low budgeting, I think, special effects. I, I mean, this movie work. looks, I, I, I hated the lighting. I hated the way the visual effects made everything look glossy. It looks like a video. Like it looks like a video game. It looks like a, like a weirdly rendered video mm. game. I wouldn't go that far. I, like I, I legitimately, mm. I think five minutes in, said, "Oh my god, I hate the way this looks." And then it's near the true. end of the he movie, I that. said something along the lines of, "This is probably in my mind the ugliest movie I've seen in my life." Okay. Yeah, you know what's weird is I, I don't feel that way. I actually do appreciate some of the more visual aspects of it, and I thought. I just don't think there's much visual to it I, I i that's the thing about it too i i i don't know i but eric they shot it in a warehouse How <laughs> they did shoot in a warehouse like 40 percent of the film i believe i here's what i'll say i i do think i i have a lot of criticisms of this film for sure and it's it, ambition is the correct word to use perhaps over ambitious uh, many would say and Maybe I was wrong in saying the visual aspect. At least I, I didn't think it was as weak as Eric was saying. Um, I do think what this film attempts, and we can talk about is it successful, especially compared to some of the better ones, is how does this film build a world? Because I think at the center of this, it's trying to build a world. It's, it's all about building this, this, this fantasy, this, 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 this whole world that in some ways is so massive yet so limited because of a lot of fault of the film. You know, what, what is an example of a, of a film that you believe is very successful at building a world? Shrek. Can you name any other type of your... <laughs> honestly, honestly though? Well, so one, one that always, one that always is very, probably just very, I don't know, stereotypical, very common is to me the matrix like in a maybe literal sense but i feel like you get a holland drive <laughs> i haven't seen it so i can't say anything about it but that i mean there's there's a very real goal to build this world out to make it seem massive and you know the movie be a small glimpse into what should be hours and hours of thought into your mind about what this, what this world really is and holds. But I don't think it is, is successful in that. Um, would, I mean, like, what do you think? What do you, what do you um, feel about what it's trying or what do you feel about the world that is created in the film? Do you care for it at all? Or do you really think it, it it's so, it, it falls so short because of so many, other either loose ends or you know i don't know how to describe i don't it. think it does a good job but regardless of, of my opinion on this particular movie i think if a movie's goal that it sets out to achieve is to build a world and it spends its runtime doing that i don't know why i should really care about the movie and in this case, I found myself not caring about the movie. Um, so even if it did a good job, which it did the opposite of, it, it's, I think it's a very empty exercise to, uh, 
to define the purpose of your movie as, you know, uh, or limiting the purpose of your movie to world building. I I think I want to push back on the purpose of this movie being world building because the the main question that I had in my mind while I was watching this was why is this movie made like this? Like, why is it so affected? Why are these like, why are all these scenes edited to be like, yeah, to why is this movie so elliptical? Why is this movie like, like each scene in on its own is so plotty with like, what the woman who like, the woman ends up like, what's her name, Ira, ends up dying and getting taken to the man who, like, saved her from, uh, like, from, like, from a tragedy and took her to her, like, foster mom. Like, each scene on its own is, like, unbelievably, like, unbelievably narratively plotty, but put together, it's made to feel elliptical. And it has this, like, drone, this terrible, terrible droning score in the background. And I, my question is just why? Like, why? Like it's clearly trying to take the focus away from the world just in the way it's made. Um, and each scene on its own isn't even, at least in, in my mind, it isn't even visually appealing in a way that even tells you what this world looks like, what this world, like how this world works. We just know that there's this like, there's this ships and there's all these grimy, shiny, sepia toned, like, houses like I like what is like that's the thing like world building is clearly something this movie has on its mind but this movie is just so confused to me like I don't think it even knows what it wants to do I I, I'm gonna I I I disagree with that um I and I, I I think that the film isn't plotty in fact it lacks a lot of plot and I think the film's focus is so much on the atmosphere because I, I found myself personally, like I know that I had maybe the most uh, interest in the film after the, you know, after watching it, uh, or I don't know, best experience. I don't know of the three of us, but like, even then I won't say that I was super high on this film yet. The parts I was highest on or what I believe it was semi-successful at, which was creating this atmosphere, this world, which I said in my review was almost like this dreamlike quality and, you know, the haziness of everything. I, I think the narrative is weak. I mean, that's all I have to say. I, I think the narrative is weak. I, I didn't care for it too much. But what I did enjoy was the world. I enjoyed the atmosphere. I enjoyed how some of the narrative was more focused on the atmosphere than actually the narrative. Like it seems at times that certain scenes, you know, between characters, they didn't really care what was happening. The camera was more focused on showing you the massive landscape or what was like really going on with, you know, it just seemed like I, towards the end, like my, my attention towards the narrative completely became non-existent like I was more interested you know if I was going to take away anything from this I was more interested in the visual or atmospheric approach you know aspect of it you know I I, I don't know I'm gonna try and tie you two together here your your points together here um I I do think the movie was plotty. I don't think what it lacked was plot. I think what it lacked was detail. Uh, and I think that is is a, a huge concern in 
in any story uh, when you're when you're struggling to to be specific. And I think that is probably what negatively affected all of our viewing experiences. Uh, Eric, you were talking about, you know, the plottiness and, you know, how you didn't think necessarily that, you know, all these like kind of convoluted scenes were in service of world building. But I think because they were so without detail, like, uh, I think it's, it's easy for me to only see these super convoluted scenes as an attempt to contribute to the greater feeling of the world because you really learn nothing about these characters as people and you really don't grow attached to them. So I think despite uh, the fact that the scenes shouldn't really be about the world because they contain so much you know, narrative information, because that information is so uh, vague or ambiguous or just you know, generally lacking detail, what it does is only uh, contribute to a sense of what the world ought to be. I, I guess for me, it's like this movie feels so unsure of itself. Like there's no reason for a movie that's made like this to have such like a contrived narrative behind it. There's what, like a whole quest to get tickets. There's like a whole underground fight scene where people go into a rush into a room and have like a shootout. Like, like there's like random scenes of like, there's, it's a really talky movie for what I feel like it's trying to be. And I, every time that's happening, I just keep thinking I'd rather be like exploring the world or being with, anything else other than these characters talking based on what this movie has shown me because there were parts of it that did seem interesting um but it just really like the way it was structured and written just really frustrated me i i think i agree with you on that aspect i i wanted to know more about you know i wish there was more about the world but i actually the things that you might not like so much I found myself kind of interested in you know like I I liked like this this world just the fact that like having this idea of these tickets to go to this land that is so unknown I mean I, I like that I like the, the 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 underground fight thing like I like these things because you know it's so you know on one hand you're like what, what the hell like what is the purpose of this why is it this way but I kind of like it and I kind of I, I think it adds something that makes it so different from our world or any other world. And I, I don't know, I, I just thought the way, I, I really like the dark earthiness of the city and the, the, the some of the shots, the, the like the, the, the like, I, I just got a feeling, like I could, I could almost feel what it was like to live in that place. Like it just kind of like this barren, hot, like very like, dirty greasy city that was like almost you know you could theorize I spent some time theorizing oh you know is this you know is this a, a product of you know global warming is this a product of you know commercial whatever you may want to think about it I found myself personally a little bit drawn into spending some time thinking about it but I do feel like the narrative that was there I think I might, yeah, I think I understand what Caleb is saying. It did lack detail because ultimately at the end, I didn't really care about it. Like it didn't add anything to the world. It didn't really 
I, I don't know. I think. I guess my thing is if you're going to lack detail, then lack detail and just like commit to focusing on what you want to focus on. If you're going to just make a convoluted narrative that lacks detail so that you can like help your world building, then make a bare bones narrative and focus on the world building. Um, I think like an example of a movie that we all watched together that did this better for me would be um, last year's Monos, um, which the first half of that movie is very much so just abstract imagery with this like very bare bones plot of this group of children um, like training in the mountains of South America. And that's a movie that is to me more like more tactile and more visually arresting and I think more abstract in the way that I feel like this movie tries to be at times. And that movie definitely gets plottier as it goes along, but it it accompanies the sort of stylistic shift that that it needs to do in order to like handle that. Whereas this movie starts off a bit uneven for me and it it never it just never feels it never feels right, nor does it ever feel sure of itself for me. I just think the world is textured enough for me and interesting enough for me. Um, you know, I would wonder how something like this would do more so, I mean, completely remove maybe the narrative of it's not completely remove it, but how something like this would do as almost like a mini series, um, like The Leftovers or The OA. Um, like I haven't seen a lot of The Leftovers. I've only seen like clips of it and <laughs> haven't watched it through, but I don't know, I think, I think what I was interested in is wanting to know more about this world, the intricacies of it. And, and I thought it gave glimpses of that, which was to me, my favorite part of the film. I, 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 I think I just didn't get that. I, I don't know. I just wasn't very like the world seemed a little like they had this ship. They had the weird club with the blue light and they had like, a couple characters who ran around doing a couple of shootouts, but I, I guess I just never felt like there was much more to the world than that. And I don't feel like I ever got a glimpse of what else was going on in the periphery that I could like latch onto. Like what other things are going on here? What other people, what other animals, other, other, other horses, are there other groups like, what is going on out like it seems still very much tied to the central narrative in its world building and in that it was a little constricted i i wanted well, maybe, I, I definitely see what you're saying i guess i just wanted oh no i wanted i wanted extra i guess yeah and i don't want to speak for you and i also want to let caleb chime in here i don't know if he has anything to add but you know maybe you know caleb said that he struggled with it because he said you know why should i care you know like why should i care about this world um, maybe I'm misquoting Caleb and he can correct that. Um, but I don't know. I, I, you know, and I don't know if this is what you want from a film and maybe some is some you do is it left me with a lot more questions than answers. Um, is that what you want? I have no idea. Is, is that what everyone wants? I, I would say people differ. You know, I was interested though. I was interested. Why, what, what, what is the past like, you know, why, what's the deal with the horses? Why is this other place so, um, infamous. Why, why is, why the whole tickets, you know, 
what happened? You know, I, I, I kept asking all these questions. Yeah, I was disappointed. I, I didn't get answers. In fact, zero answers. But it still was interesting. I'm, I, I, I want to say that I'm trying to give some benefit of the doubt here. I'm not trying to say that I, this film is, you know, revolutionary by any means or, you know, you know I've, I saw a lot of reviews on Letterboxd that were proclaiming him as the director, as, you know, the next big indie director um, that people should keep an eye out for. And I'm not making any claims like that, but I do think what was accomplished, the good I will take away from it was the ability for those questions to be interesting to me. Um, and maybe they weren't to Caleb or you. And um, I don't know. Caleb, do you have any thoughts about that? You know, Zach, this movie also left me with some questions. Uh, here Uh-oh. Are, here, <laughs> <laughs> They're not the same are, questions, I'm, I'm sure. But three. Okay. Why? What? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Those are just three questions that I was left with. Uh, but to return to, you know, this this whole world building talk for just one more moment. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, you know, it, that's that's not why I go to the movies. But mm-hmm. but you know that that's that's subjective. Whatever. Um, in this case, or I'd say I think that world building is most effective when it is done through the eyes of and the experiences of the movie's characters. Uh, If you kind of neglect the characters and just hope that the world is going to be compelling enough, just what you see, you generally tend to, to fall short. But if we learn about the world while you know, connecting with characters, that's when you feel like you've earned a, a fuller experience. And and here you just don't have that. And now, now to expand our discussion a little bit, I think the reason um, that, that you kind of have this emptiness or some reasons, uh, I think the writing, first of all, was terrible um the the, so many monologues that just felt like they were written by a very 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 young person let's say that like like eight years old young um and it was like i it just didn't didn't tie into to a a nice let's say an eight-year-old who's had like a couple weeks of film school let's say uh it didn't things didn't tie together there was no you know emotional through line despite there being you know like a narrative through line um man it was just you hear these people talking like this is you, you just want to stop listening. It just uh, a striking lack of realism in a style where realism is obviously the goal. And additionally, I thought the acting was quite poor. I think this is this movie has the worst collection of performances I can recall uh, seeing 
in a movie uh, in in recent memory. Like I think everyone was 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 lacking or or trying to either it's very uh, very acting class uh, in the way that these monologues especially were delivered. And again, I guess it's not completely their fault because they didn't have great material to work with. But, you know, it's like the pauses, the eyebrow raises, even the very opening scene where this this woman is like choking out this, you know, story about about how this dream keeps passing on. It just felt so wrong. It was it was just it's affected. Uh, it's weirdly. Affected. Yeah, it was, it was like a few turns off a few few turns of the gear off and it was just noticeable throughout and. Yeah, when when the writing's not good uh, and the acting is not saving it, um, you don't enjoy the scope of the world. Uh, but more importantly, you you really struggle to enjoy the movie. Yeah, um, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much more time. Um, I think our time would be better spent discussing a, uh, our other film. Um, so I think we should give our, our kind of closing remarks. Um, but I will just say that I do agree with you, Caleb, on the aspect of using your characters to, to flesh out the world uh, seems not just seems to be, I feel like it's proven to be just a much more effective way um, of getting interest. Just look at Shrek. <laughs> just look at Shrek. Um, that being said, um, I'll start and I'll just say, I think I was the most interested uh, in this film when I was getting to get, when I was getting more questions um, in my head about the world, uh, to be honest, I still have an interest in, in what's going on. I, you know, I wish there was more interest generated, um, you know, whether by the characters or just interest that I can actually kind of hold on to and get some satisfaction from. Um, but you know, the same somewhat world or setting, whatever you say, you know, if this was in a novel that was maybe written completely different, <laughs> uh, I'd be really interested in it. Um, that being said, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't as harsh. Um, not that I'm saying that Caleb is harsh, uh, but <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I, I think that obviously we all have different tastes in movies. And while this movie didn't strike me as anything remarkable. I did enjoy both the world aspect, the somewhat dream haziness quality of it, both in visual aspects and in some way, the narrative aspect, um, both with its, you know, kind of cutting and pasting of time and dealing with uh, that. And so uh, the wanting mayor, three stars. Yeah, I've already said a lot, but I think the last thing I'm going to say is I, I think for me, the bar's even lower in terms of these, like in terms of movies, like I don't need characters to draw me into a movie and I don't even need good dialogue because as long as your dialogue feels right and sounds right, I can listen to dialogue simply as like an accompaniment to the score. And as long as it sounds genuine and sounds authentic, and feels in service of an atmosphere or eat that like lures me in that like, I will be like fully on board with your movie. And, oh, oh I don't even, yeah, this movie just did not do it for me. I, I, as I walked out, I, I thought like, this is the worst movie I've seen in, in years. 
in terms of creating a cohesive atmosphere that drew me in just from the visuals to the acting to the sound to the score um i i'm giving it one star the wanting mayor i'm just gonna <laughs> I, I I had an ending to this to that <laughs> sentence, I promise, but I, I struggle to actually get past the title, The Wanting Mayor. Um, the Wanting Mayor is an 89-minute slog. Uh, now that we're coming to the end of our discussion, I'm thinking about this is the part where during movies that I've been, you know, ragging on that I'll say, okay, but here's something to its credit, here's something that I liked. And I, I cannot think of a single thing about this movie that I liked. Fortunately for The Wanting Mare, I didn't aggressively dislike it as much as a very select few other movies. So it avoids half-star territory and lands with Eric at one star. All right. Wow. Very, very different ratings, but nonetheless... Uh... I think it's time to move on to a movie we might agree <laughs> on a little bit more. Uh, maybe not. And that is our next film, the directorial debut of the Coen brothers, uh, Blood Simple. Blood Simple is a very simple movie, but yet not. Uh, it is based around a man and a woman, uh, Ray and Abby. Uh, who are having basically an affair, uh, more so Abby is having an affair with Ray uh, from uh, a, a, a place of resentment as she tries to basically escape her husband, uh, Marty. And the entire film is based around what I thought would be based around the, the affair is actually based around uh, the murder of Marty. Um, there is another major character, pretty much the four major characters. What is his name? I, I, I cannot remember that fourth guy's name. The, the, uh, I think it's Lauren, Lauren Viser. Viser? I don't recall. Anyways, the film pretty much circulates on these different different dynamics between the affair, between Ray and Abby's relationship, between Marty and Abby's relationship, between Marty's kind of relationship with this private detective slash crazy ass man, Lauren. And there is a lot of chaos and a, a lot of, a lot of miscommunication in this film and misunderstandings that leads to a, a very enticing and uh, a very interesting uh, overall film. Um, I probably butchered that introduction, but either way, let's talk about this. Um, I have not seen a single Coen Brothers film. So this is my introduction to oh, the Coen what? Brothers. Really? Yep, this is my introduction. Um, I, I have not seen a single one. Oh, I, oh I, I, that is a lie. Um, I have to say that You've that is a lie. Great, right? I have seen two. I have seen both True Grit and The Big Lebowski. Um, but those are the only two I have seen. Um, True Grit, I must admit, was a long time ago. Uh, I saw it when it first came out in, I believe, 2010. 
and the big, big Lombowski I saw recently, but I don't have too much to say about. Um, the one thing I have to talk about for a minute, and maybe this is just because I've been, you know, personally taking um, film classes and, and learning more about how, you know, more about shots and how, you know, the camera works and things like that. I just have to say, and I don't know if it's, it's typical, but I love the way this movie was shot. There are some amazing moments in this film that is just shot so beautifully and edited together so amazingly that I was just like giggling in my seat as it was happening. I was just like, Ooh, this is so cool. Like from, you know, even simple things like the way the camera was positioned in, you know, behind the heads in the car to even just the shots up at the ceiling fans um, after Marty is shot. And even before, uh, just the the different shots of him looking up at the ceiling fan, both alive and dead. Um, there's just it's just so not only captivating, but I don't know, man. It just like there was a part of me that was just like dealing with the the craziness of the plot, but also just like I was just like, oh my god, this is just a beautifully filmed fi- like filmed film filmed movie. Um, I don't know, Eric or Caleb, is this, I, you know, is this something that's typical and I've never seen a Coen brothers film is, are they usually shot this way? Um, is there anything in particular that you enjoyed about how it was filmed or? Yeah, I think, um, I think the first thing that I said after the, um, after watching this was, I don't know why the Coen brothers have never gone back to this sort of classic, American 70s movie like neon look I think this is maybe even as their director they view in my opinion their best looking movie um they obviously most of their movies look pretty great but when I think of my favorite Coen Brothers shots even before re-watching Blood Simple um the like neon lights of the club here were definitely up there as well as that iconic shot of um of uh, Marty uh, in the middle of the street with the car behind him and his hand outstretched as the like bus is coming from the other side, as well as just the way um, the light shines through as um, in the like in the climactic scene when um, Francis McDormand is hiding in a room and um, the man trying to kill her is shooting a gun from through the other side of the wall. Um, so so yeah, I would definitely say this is a great looking movie um I also was I don't know I, I also loved a lot of the tracking shots at the beginning I the one that I keep coming back to is just um this one at the, bu- the bar or the club where the camera glides like over the table and um music is playing in the background and it like goes over like a cup or something and then goes back down um it's just really slick and it looks really nice yeah, to the the tracking shots and the lighting really stood out here. Beautiful, beautiful imagery. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, you know, maybe it's just because I've been. It, it was just such a, I don't know. It's just such a good film to look at. Like, not to mention, I thought the writing was very well done, which we'll get to. But just from a pure, how does this movie look? How does it make you feel while you're looking at it? I couldn't have liked it more. Like I, it was a film that I just thought was shot very well. It held my interest at every turn. And it was, I, I just loved that. Um, I, you even mentioned briefly the music. 
dude, I love the music in this film. There's some moments in particular, which I'm, I'm struggling to remember first. Unfortunately, I kind of did a double feature today and I watched both the films and I, I started with Blood Simple. Should have done it the other way. Um, but gosh, there's some moments where the music is just perfect. And I don't like, not only like what is playing, but the volume and what's like, I don't know, dude. I, I'm just like kind of, I, I'm a little bit like, giggly just talking about this movie like i i really enjoyed this film and I, and there it was just little things like that which you know probably aren't so little um that made me really really invested and really engaged the entire time um i don't know do you do you were you particularly fond of the score eric or caleb or both uh yes and I would like to say, in addition to this being the Coen Brothers' debut film, this is also Carter Burwell's first score for a motion picture. That's that's up there. That's got to be up there with the Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman debut. You got the Coen Brothers' <laughs> Carter Burwell debut. I think this is. Ooh, is this my this? In terms of score, this is probably my favorite Coen Brothers score. Yeah, that piano theme is really nice. Yes, yes, yes. Um, gosh, there's just so many places. I, I feel like we could have an entire podcast episode about just like picking apart this movie because I feel like there's just so much. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like, first of all, um, I, I really enjoyed the performances. Um, and I also have to say that it wasn't until after that I realized who played Abby and I was blown away. I think I was, this is also her film debut. Film debut. Yeah, I was blown away. You know, I, do I think, I don't think this was a better performance than she gave. I've, I honestly don't know how many of her films I've really seen. I don't think this is a better performance than she said, gave in, um, you know, Nomadland, which I've seen. Um, but yet I, I still enjoyed her performance. Um, John, I, I, it was so weird looking at these actors and being like, oh my gosh, I know them. Like, but like, I didn't recognize them when I was first watching because the, the film was from the eighties and I was just like, oh, they're young. Um, but, uh, John Getz does a great, I really like his character, the, the, the quiet, but like suave yet country yet, you know, the mysterious, I don't know. I, it was, it was. I, I really like how it came off. Um, I really, you know, the performance by Dan, uh, how do you say his last name? Hadea? Dan Hadea. I'm going to say that. Um, Marty uh, was the character. I, I kept switching. I, you know, I, I didn't know whether I was feeling bad for him, whether I hated him, whether, you know, and like he never, you know, he didn't, I don't think there was a moment in the film where he did anything particularly evil. I guess hiring someone to kill, you know, his, his wife and um, her lover is pretty evil. But I don't know. I, you know, I honestly found myself feeling a little bit bad for the guy. Like, I was like, you know what? He's kind of down bad, you know? Like, sure, he's a shitty husband. But, you know, his wife's cheating on him. You know, we don't, we know, we just know from her that apparently he's, you know, as she likes to use, anal. Um is the word that is repeatedly used. Uh, we know he's anal. We know he's maybe a little cuckoo, but I don't know, dude. Am I the only one that felt a little bad for him? <laughs> when, I like, feel he was, like he's when like he was being the swindled at the incarnation of like a classic Cohen's trope of the like 
down on his luck, sort of pathetic man trying to like flip the tables that the Coen brothers just constantly rag on. Like every single thing that could go wrong for him goes wrong in this yeah, movie. It's like the, pathetic's a good word. He's like the William H. Macy in Fargo or um, Michael Stuhlbarg's character in, um, in A Serious Man or even um, Lewin Davis in Lewin Davis. They're all sort of incarnations of of this type of character although in those movies they're given lead title roles um whereas john gets as this sort of cohen's classic cohen's trope dies pretty early on in this movie but um it was still cool to see nonetheless i don't know even when he wasn't speaking just his manner mannerisms like it, it like I equally hated the guy, thought he was pathetic. And, you know, like the scenes where he's, you know, dying in the road and then getting buried, like his reactions and everything just seem, I don't know, dude, it's just jarring. Like, I, I just like, I'm trying, I'm struggling to find a part of this movie I didn't like. And I, I do have one thing and I'm interested to see how you guys think about it. Um, I don't know if I want to get there yet though. Um, is, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> I know we, I, I want to say, where do we want to start? But we've been talking about it already for like 10, 15 minutes. Um, there's just, I feel like so much to unpack here. Uh, the opening scene um, in the car, the, um, the entire like cleaning up the murder, um, that whole sequence. Um, gosh, the, the, I mean, the final sequence. Where, where do you want to start? Um, I'll just... Uh, give a little overview of the writing and then we can find the okay. spots I guess really appreciated the writing the most um, this is a terrific screenplay uh, it's wonderfully plotted uh, simple when you uh, fr from a distance uh, but really rich and uh and exhilarating when you're in the thick of it. Um, the dialogue is real, funny, just solid all the way through. And it's so rich with dramatic irony that uh, I think it just, if the story feels Shakespearean, uh, which is uh, ne never, never a bad thing. Uh, That's a high praise. Uh, that it is. Um, I think, yeah, my favorite parts of the movie were just when it's when it's clear to the audience what is happening, but not to the characters. And you just get <laughs> to sit and revel in their confusion. Like, for example, uh, when Ray discovers Abby's gun at Marty's uh, bar where Marty died and you know, probably rightfully assumes that Abby had something to do with it. Uh, and so they're discussing, uh, you know, he was like, you know, I, 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 I cleaned everything up. I did it for you. I love you. And not going into detail about what happened. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, why, essentially, why, why are you pretending like you don't you don't know what's up like your gun was there and it's just like delicious moments of, of confusion throughout uh that all build to this climax where 
everyone is still confused, but you know, every, every, yeah, everything <laughs> around them has just completely <laughs> collapsed and it just, it keeps building and building. And that's, that's yeah, just uh, lovely to, to watch. Yeah. Like even at the end there when Francis McDormand has, um, has like killed, um, has killed the, um, the hired gun that was originally supposed to, that came in and killed um, Ray and Marty. And she still thinks that the man she killed is Marty because he's behind the bathroom door. Like it's like, these are moments of misunderstanding that could so easily go wrong, but this is such like a tightly plotted and such a concise story that it, it all manages to work and it never feels cutesy either. Like, the moments of comedy never feel like they're taking away from the overall atmosphere of the movie. They, they just feel like part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it's, it's so interesting sitting there having that feeling of just like, you know, like you know what's going on and you know, everything, you know, and you're like, Oh, how simple this could be, you know, how, how simple it could be for, for Abby and Ray to simply talk and realize that neither, you know, that Abby didn't kill Marty and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all this, and, you know, you, there's so many little things too. And it's like the, you know, she gets a call Abby at one point after, you know, uh, Ray has just disposed the body and, and she thinks it's her husband, but it's actually the hired gun. And Ray thinks after Abby says it's her husband, that it's actually Abby with another man because Marty had said that she would do that. And there's just so many overlapping little things like that, that you can almost understand why they're acting the way they are. That is just so interesting. And I don't know, is there any point, and this was the question I was going to ask, because I think at some points I was a little bit like, not frustrated. And I think that the movie does a great job of making you not feel that way. But was there any parts where you felt like, oh, my God, this thing could just be so simple if they just talked like, oh, like this is, you know, like, you know, like, Abby, you're about to say it, like, just say it, continue your sentence. And then you both will understand there's a huge misunderstanding here. Or do you feel like the movie is so successful in what it does that you don't have that feeling? remarkably no i i didn't have that feeling and i and i think that in most movies with similar circumstances i i get frustrated when people don't just say the obvious thing i think it's a very common trope too for uh, a character to have a realization and share it with somebody else or just have this realization and to themselves, but we're aware that they have this realization. And then when they have to tell it to this person to, you know, save the day, whatever, to make things right, they just clam up and and don't do it. And that I think is a, a storytelling, a horrible storytelling convention uh, that can be very irritating to the audience. And here I, I didn't, experience that at all and the more more we break down the plot i think this i guess the stranger it is that i that i didn't have this concern but i even retroactively even rationally understanding this i still don't 
uh, feel the problem. I, I, I think like they get a lot out of having Lauren Reiser just be a complete wild card to the point where even if they had talked about it, he would have gone and tried to kill them anyways. And he's such an unbalancing force in the narrative that it's almost impossible to think of this movie in like a way, even though everything in terms of the misunderstandings has a narrative reason behind it. Like the like the less um, the less Ray and Abby talk about what Ray thinks happened in Marty's murder, like the better for them. Just like talking about it as little as possible is, is good. But the misunderstanding isn't as frustrating because the story is already so off balance at that point that at least for me, it it didn't matter. It just the the unbalanced nature of it fit in with the tone and the dark comedy. I think that what this film does differently than what Cave was talking about is I I just love the I I'm very drawn by their misunderstandings and it seems reasonable for there to be misunderstandings. And what I love the most is I almost love how towards the end. I at least got the feeling that, okay, things are going to be resolved. You know, like, oh, you know, he's going to tell her, they're going to figure out, they're going to, they're going to figure it out together. Like they'll finally get there and they almost do. And he, you know, he is in the room. He's like, turn the light off. Like he knows at this point, right. He, he kind of has some understanding that the two of them are on a different page and that he's kind of pieced some of it together. And then he gets killed. And I don't think, it's just like one of those moments where it's like, oh, come on. Of course he just got killed. It's more like, you know, like Eric was saying, the unpredictability of uh, and the wild cardness of Lauren that just adds to the craziness. And I think it's almost better that there isn't that realization. You know, I think it's just like, because I think that would be almost un- too unrealistic. And I, and I love that, that, that closing, the closing scene where he's laughing in the bathroom on the floor dying because he realizes that she has the whole time think that he was Marty and he's just having a laugh to that. And I just think you're sitting there and I was just like, wow, like that's wow. I don't, I don't know what to say other than that. Yeah. I think also part of the reason it works is that this movie so early on with um, like sort of the comedic scene where, um, where Marty goes to Ray's house and gets essentially destroyed by Francis McDormand, just gets beat up by him. Um, it it establishes itself with that stuff like that, plus the affair. It establishes itself as a farce. Is it's sort of farcical, um, and it's this mix between a farce and a neo noir. So a lot of those misunderstandings fall into these sort of farcical comedic um, genre conventions. Um, while managing to overall stay within a noir. Um, so in that sense, it's something that it's like, a, it's a trope that we recognize, but it's shown in a new light. But because of the recognition, I, I think it works. I think the, like, I think this is also their best, like, I, like this idea of mixing like noir with comedy is something that they try to do a lot. Um, like some of them like Burn After Reading are, is more comedic or something like Fargo, I feel like tries to do something very similar, but I, I, I feel like for me, this is their best modulated one. Like we talk about Fargo, which is probably probably one of their most critically acclaimed movies, 
and Fargo feels like that balance swings over way too much on the farcical side to the point where the movie loses a lot of its weight near the end. But I never got that here. Um, this movie definitely modulates it just right. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I have to say it just overall, I, I think it, it, it just was always engaging and it you didn't feel cheated by anything. You didn't feel like you walked away like frustrated, but overall, you know, it was just, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we can just give our, our final reviews here. I, I think that what I will say is, you know, I've seen, I guess, two other Coen brother movies and this one is definitely my favorite so far. Um, it was from beginning to end. It just was woven together so perfectly for me. Um, we talked about the music. I talked about the performances, the shots, um, the atmosphere. This in this small Texas rural town. Um, no part of it to me was you know unbelievable or completely you know I don't know disgenuine. Um, I just really enjoyed this movie from beginning to end. And with that, uh, four stars. Yeah, I think this all just comes back to the script, which takes you on on, on a wonderful, wonderful ride. Uh, I like how there's no greater forces at play. There's no necessary sense of justice or righteousness and things just happen and um, you know they 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 unfold as as they will I think there's something terrifying uh, to that but in this contained environment that is a movie just something really really exciting uh, and I give blood simple four stars Ooh, a rare four-star rating from Caleb. Um, I, you both have summed it up really well. I thought this movie worked precisely because of how, as Caleb said, contained, how contained it is. Um, it's, yeah, it's this mini tour de force of atmosphere, of excitement, and of all of, a lot of the themes that, um, come to define the Coen brothers' work later on in their career. And I, I firmly think, having now seen this again, that this is one of their best. And I also gave it four stars. Full consensus. Wow. Certified, wow. you love to see it. Certified, you're right. Certified, you love to see it. Um, this is not the end of the Coen brothers. Uh, we will be, what, what is our next film? Do we have it planned for what the next Coen brothers film yeah, will be? Um, we're doing this Coen brothers marathon in preparation for Joel Coen's new movie this year, The Tragedy of Macbeth, which stars Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Um, and the next movie that we'll be watching by them is their, I think it's their second movie. It's Raising Arizona starring Nicolas Cage. Oh my gosh, this is a Nick Cage movie? I did not I know that. I think this is also one of my favorites of theirs, so I'm very Interesting, excited. interesting. And I think that's the, not next episode, but the week, uh, the week after. Um, 
and yeah we'll keep continuing with them i'm I, hey so far we started on a on a great note i mean i i'm i am very excited well uh you know we had a, a very great discussion about two completely different movies today but uh overall i i think uh, i think it was a good episode so uh with that we will see you next time